0: Welcome to Leaving the Promised Land, a podcast where two ex-evangelicals explore their former beliefs, personal experiences, and the Bible to see if the beliefs once held stand up to their current, more modern values. I'm Lyndon, a queer ex-evangelical who laughs at the idea of gender roles.
1: And I'm Taylor, the feminist romance author that your parents warned you about. Hello, everybody. And this is episode one of Leaving the Promised Land. And I am Taylor.
0: And I am Lyndon.
1: So a little bit about what our goals are for this podcast. So um, this podcast is an examination of whether or not we can reconcile our current beliefs with the bible and the christianity that we grew up with this whole concept started with uh as as things off off to do with a meme that i shared on facebook and it was saying that at some point we have to talk about the link between toxic christianity white supremacy the patriarchy and i think some other things but um but the the crux of it was the concept of toxic Christianity, and Lyndon and I started talking about what was toxic Christianity, and, you know, our shared experience in the church that we used to go to together, and thus, this podcast was born.
0: Yeah, we decided it'd be fun to have some conversations, and let some other people in on them, because we're not the only people who are experiencing this tension between, you know, faith, beliefs, and current things going on in the world.
1: Yes. So, and there's a and there's a lot to unpack, you know, like even even within Christianity and the denominations, like there are there are so many differences
0: totally. that
1: there's a lot to unpack even within Christianity. So, we've got a shit ton you know that we can that we're going to get to unpack uh with just social beliefs that we currently have in in the Bible. Um, so yeah, this podcast, uh, we're hoping for it to be a deep, deep dive into not only our own beliefs, but the most common beliefs of Christians, as well as the Bible's words. The so sort of holding up, um, I think of it like a, um, like a tracing paper, the so holding up a tracing paper up against the Bible and like our beliefs in Christianity being that transparent paper that we're holding up to see if they match, um. And I'm curious to see, because there are a lot of churches that um, support the LGBT community. So I'm curious to see how, how those transparence hold up to the Bible. Yeah. So what are your, what are your hopes for the podcast, Lyndon?
0: Uh, you know, I, I, I share some of the similar hopes. Like, I, I'm very excited... You know, when I when I left my faith and left the belief system I left, um, there were some things that I was missing. And so I, I'm I feel like it kind of happened abruptly. And so now I'm coming back to it with a desire to truly see if my current beliefs can align with something I used to hold, you know, a belief system and a way of life that I used to hold very dear.
1: And, you know, we, we went to the same church and, you know, we obviously won't name it, but, um, we were both part of, um, I worked close with the children and, you know, so like I worked at the church and so did you. So, you know, we were, um, quite involved. Um, so we weren't just, um, there on the high holy holidays Right. Know, we we were fucking in the trenches. I love my mother and um when when we both stopped going to church, like Easter came up or something and I asked her, I was like, Are we going to church? And she said, Why my ass don't darken the door the other three hundred and sixty four days of the year? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, All right, that's fair. Like, um, yep, got it. <laughs> got it. So um but yeah, so so we were there every service every time those doors were
0: open yeah and for me like like I worked at was employed full-time by the church for several years and so like I was in you know in doing the Lord's work and and being a part of a a community that was bigger than just myself so right yeah it, it, it it definitely in in evangelical or in toxic Christianity it it can it can become like kind of a, a really big circle of the same group of people yeah and so you're it's just this emotional feedback between the same group of people and there's never any growth or or willingness to look outside of this group of people it's
1: like an echo chamber
0: yeah that was the word i was going for
1: so the the concept of toxic christianity because you hear you know like toxic masculinity and all those kind of things and i kind of put this question out to my Facebook uh, friends because I will admit that a lot of times my Facebook does become an echo chamber because I have a lot of, a lot of liberal friends, friends and family that either unfollow me or they unfriend me really fast. Um, But, but I put this out there to, um, to my Facebook friends that are still around. What the, the ones concept, that stuck through <laughs> the ones that stuck by me, um, what the, what the phrase toxic Christianity means to them, and the two words that kind of kept popping up were harm and then hypocrisy. A lot of people were really angry about the level of hypocrisy in the church, um, and you know, if you point that out to a Christian, they'll be like, Well, we're not perfect, blah blah blah, and, you know, no. But there's a certain level of hypocrisy that just shouldn't be excused anymore. And I feel like that gets excused in this day and age.
0: Yeah. I And, and for me, I think in the p- hypocrisy, expanding that a little bit to be more l- like um, the idea or the concept that... Um, we're talking about toxic Christianity specifically so that Jesus could cover your sins that gets very broadly applied and almost becomes a permission slip to continue to, to make actions and do behaviors. And in. As long with,
1: as it, but not applied to you.
0: Right. Cause you're sinning.
1: Right. Um, right.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the, like I recall back in the day having conversations about that and, and it being explained like, well, but once you know, what's expected of you, then there's a different level of accountability. So for someone who's unsaved or not in the group or the flock, there's these expectations. And outside of that, there's these expectations. And so I think that does allow and afford a lot of hypocrisy because once you're in the group, it's almost like you can do no harm. Mm -hmm. But until you're in the group, you, all you are is harm. All you are is potential threat.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's an interesting way to look at it because you know, they, and this is just the one that comes to mind um, when gay marriage was legalized or just, you know, marriage for all, um, was legalized. A lot of people, a lot of of Christians were super pissed about it. Well, the Bible, well, the Bible says that's wrong. The Bible says gay marriage is wrong. And to every single one of them I pointed out, I'm like, okay, so cool. When are we going to make premarital sex illegal? You know, and they pin drop. (laughs) And yeah, yeah. Pin drop. And I'm like, well, I mean, okay. So also when are we going to make cussing illegal? You know, because, I mean, you can make the argument that everything that comes out of your mouth must be positive, pure, and clean. Right. and that's biblical. Um, But they don't want that because that's their sin. No, 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 I don't want my sin to be illegal. I want their sin to be illegal. Right. You know, because, I mean, how many... I mean, I think at the church that I grew up in, um, I want to say there were at some point like three unwed pregnant girls you know and it's it's that concept of well clearly people in in the church are doing it before they're married you know and they absolutely got ostracized and talked to or whatever yeah but you know they would never they would never demand it be illegal they just want to shame them for it.
0: Right. Totally and I think that's the interesting part is because I mean in they don't want it illegal because of the hypocrisy. And then you get into the higher, the idea of a hierarchy of sins of which ones are excusable. And when the excuse or the accountability is accessible versus, you know, it's, it gets toxic because like I think I think a part of toxic, toxic Christianity um, is is having this higher power that isn't God being the person determining what is sinful and what is not. And a lot of church leaders tend to step out and say those things and deem things sin or even exclude people based on their theology. Like those are, those are actions that I think play into toxic Christianity because I want to believe that, that, the Jesus that was in the Bible that I learned about as Jesus, like this idea that God created us and Jesus died for our sins, that God and Jesus doesn't exclude. Right, He died for everybody. Therefore any person who shows up how they are is loved and accepted by God.
1: Um, that reminds me of, you said, Um, the God and the Jesus that you learned about, you can come as you are and be accepted. And that reminds me when my husband, um, they tried to join a new church, him and his family, and he had to go through this class and take a test. And apparently he failed the test. And so he wasn't allowed to join the church. And that baffled me because it's like, you know, well, I learned come as you are. God welcomes everyone. You know, but here he is being turned away because he you know made up sixty five percent on this test right and um you know that that's in direct contradiction to the the things that we learn who God and who Jesus are um and then I wrote down denominations
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: the one of my best friends growing up, she was Church of Christ, no music, you know no pastor wait really
0: wait. yeah I th- i'm pretty sure church of christ has um appointed like congregation elected elders who serve on a board and there is no one leader of the church
1: that might be different ones because mm. they did have a leader of the church so okay. it may maybe different factions of church of christ i'm not sure
0: hey here um, we go into different denominations right yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> but um but you know, so the Church of Christ, if you're not, and that the way they say it is, baptized, if you're not baptized, then it, does, it doesn't matter. You're not going to heaven unless you're baptized. And, you know, Baptist, Pentecostal, they don't adhere to that rule. Right. You know, so it's, it's so interesting at how this one text and it's like you said, it's this higher power that's not God that determines what in what is and isn't sin right. um
0: well, I remember being in middle school, and the pastor was a very like animated like i had for like evangelical pastors like I really did have excellent people who communicated really well and had like really well-produced services like I will not knock any of the production value of any of the churches I went to because it was always phenomenal it was like a concert every time and like (laughs) honestly I know right uh part of the reason I went to church was like the concert aspect um but we used to dive in deep like I used to go to extra bible studies on Sunday morning before church uh to like Deep dive into the scripture. Um, and I always really love that. Like, I remember being in, you know, like early high school and asking for Christmas for a theology book.
1: Oh my God. Um, yeah. And like
0: reading through systematic theology. <laughs> like, it was no big deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I checked this out weeks ago for a bit of light reading. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So, um, you know, I've always really loved deep diving into those things. And I think that in leaving my belief system, I kind of had to distance myself from that a little bit. Um, and and it's, it's nice to think about being able to get back to it and, and really truly break it down. And I, I was telling you last week, when we were talking about this, how I tried... I started, which my mistake was starting in Genesis. Oh, yeah.
1: How many times have I been bored in church? Yeah.
0: So I was, I was, I had had this, like, I'd broken my arm and I was, like, bored out of my mind, also having existential crisis about a broken arm. And I was like, I'm going to try the Bible again. (laughs) You were bored. So you're (laughs) like, the Bible is how I spice this up hey i've got some weird some weird unique quirks um were so you on
1: any kind of like pain meds Were you on some like quaaludes or something yeah I'm i don't like, know let's get into genesis <laughs>
0: all right let's dig right on in <laughs> yeah
1: the oxycodone will make you do some weird shit
0: it does and for me it made me open up the bible which i hadn't done in years so i opened it up and started in genesis and i think i got to like maybe genesis 3 and i was like fuck the patriarchy <laughs> this is bullshit you did not get very far at all before i didn't you like, fuck it all <laughs> i didn't you know like right right after like the the world was cre- created um then uh it kind of went off the rails for me
1: (laughs) i mean (laughs) Lyndon didn't stick around long at all
0: (laughs) not this (laughs) go-round
1: um so um if you're still here with us (laughs) the topic is what even is toxic christianity and um it's i have sincerely held beliefs or actions that cause harm either directly or indirectly usually with biblical backup um so i just wanted to put that nugget that definition in there and that's you know taylor webster's my own dictionary definition um so i wanted to put that in there before we got too off
0: the rails yeah and i think for me i think i would define toxic christianity as firmly held beliefs that are based on cultural and societal beliefs held by the religion you subscribe to.
1: Okay. That's, so, yeah. kind
0: of the same, kind of different.
1: Yeah. I think I think one of the most important things that we need to, like, you know, pin up there, this is our, our pinned tweet, is that they're all sincere or, and firm. You know, like, yes. people like that's that's the one thing we have to remember through all this is that these are sincere beliefs um and they're not just arbitrary you know asshole beliefs these are sincere right um so i do think that's important for everyone to remember so yes can tweet
0: yeah and i think i think too like as someone who has left and is is maybe more left-leaning you know I'm not coming to the table to critique and pick apart you know like I, my, I am yeah <laughs> I mean I'm okay with it happening I'm like the bird that's gonna like wait for you to like tear it apart and be like yeah let me get like I'm gonna let get, me get a
1: piece of that yeah I <laughs> yeah
0: I I, well, I like I want to tear things apart I don't want to um I'm not here to evolve into shaming other people's beliefs
1: i like i don't want to call it shaming but i definitely you know there are going to be things that i have problems with yeah you know i'm not going to shame people there are a few things that i'll I'll shame people for but um very few (laughs) i'm not gonna yuck anybody's yums but there are a few (laughs) um but yeah this is not to shame people or to embarrass people but there are, there, but remember, there are going to be things that we have problems with. So if you think that you might get offended by people saying, what the fuck even is this? Probably this is not the podcast
0: for you. Yeah. Or maybe it is for you. And uh, just don't reach out to us until you've had a chance to, like, talk to your therapist or, like, <laughs> you know, process those feelings by yourself. <laughs> right, right,
1: right. Um. So let's talk a little bit about, I know we've kind of gone in and out, but sort of our past and like how we grew up in this concept of toxic Christianity. Um, so if you want to take it away, Linda. Yeah,
0: so I, I didn't grow up as a little kid in toxic Christianity. Um, I actually grew up uh, apart from a faith system at all. Um, once we moved into the, so I grew up in Calgary, Canada, and then at about 13. Oh, I forgot that you're Canadian. Yes. Oh, God. Canadian, proud Canadian. Um, So around 13, we moved to the U.S., and that's when I was first exposed to Christianity. Um, I live, we lived right outside of Nashville, and um, it kind of, like I said, it was lots of concerts, and at first it seems just like a really fun place for teenagers to be. It kept me busy. Um, I had experienced some pretty extensive trauma the year before, so I was in kind of a vulnerable space looking for connection. I had lost um, a friend group and was looking for and friends. Being
1: a teenager is hard so, to begin with.
0: It's the worst, really.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I tell my teenagers all the time that like, um, I would never trade and go back ever for us no. for a heartbeat like this has hard and there's nothing we can do to make it easier and i'm sorry like yeah it just sucks um and so that's kind of where i got exposed i i'm a people pleaser so i was pretty susceptible to some of the underlying um driving factors in toxic christianity so I got involved and very quickly started to get the social-emotional feedback of leading a small group as a high schooler. I had an on-school, you know, like an on-campus small group. So I very quickly kind of sunk my teeth into this idea, and I think for me, it gave me a feeling of superiority, of like, my parents didn't share the same belief system, so for me it was, I'm above my parents. Um, Which, for a teenager, is, we, I mean, teenagers already literally think that, and then I had, like, a a biblical backing for that.
1: (laughs) You're like, I'm bona fide. (laughs) It's written right here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, and so it, you know, I kind of continued that through my early adulthood, um, was involved in a pretty extensive internship for leadership training, um, and, it, it it was a very intense version of toxic Christianity. Um, There, it, it, and when I say toxic Christianity, like, it's kind of that echo chamber. It's, we only listen to these people. If anyone outside that says something different, they're wrong. And for me, my parents at different times were trying to tell me that I was being brainwashed or that I was a part of a cult. And I, kept telling them no like, um, you don't know what you're talking about mom exactly like oh i love god like what are you even saying <laughs> how can you say i'm bad like apparently at one point uh i went to a therapist and the therapist said that some people after trauma have addictions and like oh. it manifests in drugs or alcohol and the therapist i guess tried to say like i think that your addiction is the church And I was, like, having none of it. Like, apparently I got up and walked out. Like, I was, like, a.
1: How dare you.
0: Yeah, like, how dare you judge my relationship with Jesus? Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, so I had a kind of an opposite. um, I went to church from the time I was old enough to be out in public. Um, And I grew up. I grew up Pentecostal. I don't know how much you know about Pentecostal. Mm. They're fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the the concept of the rapture um, was something that was almost like a presence in and of itself. Um, and if, I, shameless plug, I have another podcast called, oink, oink. <laughs> called If It's Twisted. And I actually do a whole episode on revelation with our mutual friend Jared and I talk about kind of like the concepts that were um I don't know if and I talked to my mom about this I don't know if my anxiety stemmed from the ever-present oppression of the rapture I don't know if my anxiety is a result of that or if my anxiety was already there and it was just amped up by that but I do know that it certainly did not help my anxiety.
0: I can totally, like, I remember when Left Behind came out, like, the book and the movie, like, I got so enamored with this idea, and for me, my parents weren't Christian, so I was, like, I'm gonna go, and gonna my, parents get, my parents are yeah. gonna get left here, um, and it, it, Yes, I also wonder how much of my anxiety was amped up because of the like what was the Frank Peretti book where he talked about like in the darkness there's also the screw tape letters like yeah. all of this like this idea that demons could attach themselves to you.
1: That's actually another thing that the Pentecostal church really pushed is this concept of um unknowingly opening yourself up to demons. And that scared the piss out of me when I was a kid. Like, you know, one of those things where, like, I was afraid um, that just thinking about a demon, I would get possessed. And, like, it sounds funny now, but as a child, genuinely having a fear that they were not going to do anything and get demon possessed. Like, I, it's a wonder I have turned out to be, I'm, I'm not going to say well-adjusted, but <laughs> <clears throat> a somewhat functioning member of society. Um, but I remember, like, the whole speaking in tongues thing, um, mm-hmm. like, that was my church, and we did revivals, and if you've never been to a Pentecostal revival, thank your lucky stars, <laughs> because... I remember being a child, and I would be sitting in the back row praying that they would not call on me, and the pastor would be like, this girl, bring this girl to the front, and I'd be like, no, 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 and they would bring me to the front, and they would pray for me, and it just, I hated it, it scared the shit out of me, I didn't like it, so that didn't help my anxiety and that just d- just didn't didn't did, didn't do me no favors yeah um, and
0: <clears throat> that's one of the, well it's one of the interesting things because I also had like you know anytime I would disclose a, a struggle it would become uh we've got to pray we've got to cut the ties of the enemy and it, it just oh
1: God, cutting the <laughs> ties of the enemy
0: Flashing it back <clears throat> yep
1: Jesus yes Jesus, no pun intended, <laughs> Perfectly but, timed. Um, I remember, like, I, w- I would carry um, prayer cloths that w- had been anointed by oil in my backpack to school when I was having a tough year, like, it just, I don't want to say I could never escape, because that sounds terrible, but I could never escape the fear, um, and that, like I said, that may very well be because I was anxious, but I'm telling you now, that the church I went to did not help my anxiety at all. So yeah. it was an ever-present fear that I had. Like, I, I when I was a kid, <clears throat> I slept in the same bed as my mom. Mm. Um, and I, like, I have conscious memories of it. Like, if she got up to go to the bathroom and I woke up, she's gone. The rapture has happened, you know. And, like, that's just not healthy. I was gonna say, that's got to be
0: terrifying time. for a child.
1: Yes. Um, my mom used to say that like when I was little, um, if like she got up Christmas night to put my presents out, I was up immediately, mm. you know? And I'm like, well, cause yeah, the rapture happened. Obviously, right.
0: I assumed you were gone. <laughs>
1: I assumed I was left behind and I would even feel for her gown, her nightgown. Um, you know, and it was one of those where, like, I would be like, okay, her gown's not here you know but no child should live with that
0: right with the fear that that's what's happened
1: right you know it the it should be you know oh mom went to the bathroom instead right. of oh my mother got raptured
0: right the rapture happened and i'm left here by myself um, yes yeah
1: that n- yeah no child should um
0: i mean but i also remember like being a teenager and making jokes about the rapture like if you'd come back to an empty room and be like man i thought the rapture happened <laughs>
1: Okay, yeah, now, I, like, as I've gotten, uh, as I've gotten older, I've learned to, to, to be, you okay. know, to, to, to joke my way through my anxiety. <laughs> that's like um, a, that's like
0: a secret key to life right there.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, I'm so uncomfortable, so I'm gonna make a joke. <laughs> um, but I know, I do know that my aunt started going to, um, a different church, a Baptist church, um, And like, as soon as I was old enough, I want to say I was like 13, maybe 14. As soon as I was old enough, I was like, uh, I'm going to church with you. Peace out. Um, so I left that Pentecostal church in the dust. Um, and then I went to the Baptist church where it was just a whole new sort of, you know, the purity, I was a teenager now. So the purity culture, that's where I learned about the purity culture. And then, um, we would go on um mission trips and um we would go mission trips are a whole whole different
0: level of prop like yeah we'll
1: we'll we'll get there absolutely we will (laughs) but we would go on mission trips in the fucking bible belt you know who are who are we who are we who are we,
0: who are <laughs> are we minister- to.
1: Yeah, who are we ministering to? Other Christians, but I remember every time before we went on one of these quote unquote mission trips, um, they would have like a a little lesson or something, and it was how to share your faith with someone you don't know. And I told you that you know it kept me awake last night because I'm thinking to myself, why the were they teaching these 15 year olds 14 16 year olds how to talk to strangers like that is that is i listen part of who i am as a person is falling asleep watching unsolved mysteries as a child (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i don't know why i like part of I, i guess i was too anxious so i never did it but part of me think like no thank you i have seen unsolved mysteries i am not talking to a stranger
0: right i know where this ends <laughs> I,
1: I know how this ends yeah you know if they if they really need to find jesus then um the who is it has put a bible in their hotel yeah,
0: the gideons they're, they're the gideons,
1: there yeah don't no i'm not talking because i remember like they even gave us this book that would fit in our pocket to help proselytize
0: I was talking to uh, a friend of mine about the Roman's road and how you, it's like, I'll have to find the actual verses because I don't know them off the top of my head, but it's basically a Why not? I know, man, I'm failing. Um, It's a sequential walk through, like, the, here you are as a sinful human, here's what God's done. I want to know exactly what you're talking about. And then I also, uh, live when I lived in Nashville, I was, like, in a bunch of kids from the youth group filmed a commercial for a product that was out, and it's called the Avanja Cube, and it was, it was, like, a a proselytizing device that's one of those, like, perpetually folding cubes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a picture cube, so, like, I'm
1: pretty sure those exist
0: they do i still have two of them (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah so i was they did like a short commercial for one of them but um the evanja cube and i totally carried one on my backpack i was the nerdy kid though that like took my bible everywhere and like when i was on a flight i would be reading my bible and like i was that teenager (laughs) oh my god but but in talking to people and proselytizing and having to share your faith like in, in some of the organizations I was with, it was very much expected as a leader that you would, I'm not gonna say that you would need to have a quota, but they did expect you to lead at least one person to Christ every year. To maintain your you had
1: a you had a soul quota there was a
0: soul quota and I mean other churches do things like lifesavers that you keep in your pocket all year and like that's also a soul quota
1: oh my god
0: (laughs) so that that is where I think it tips into toxic Christianity where it's like aggressively proselytizing as opposed to I always cited on the relational evangelism side of things.
1: Aggressive proselytizing is probably the best way to put it. Like I'm supposed to walk up somebody while they're pumping gas and be like, excuse me, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ?
0: Right. I mean, I I can't even lie, though. Sometimes, like, at Walmart, I would be like, excuse me, I just really feel like the Lord's leading me to pray with you. Can we pray? So, like, I was that kid. Lyndon, no, <laughs> you were that person? I was totally that person.
1: If somebody said that to me now, I would be like, go away. <laughs> Thank I, you, no.
0: Yeah, uh, I used to get proselytized to a lot. Um, I really? don't really... Well, I mean the pandemic is happening so I don't really go out much anymore. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: But like I don't know if I just like appear curious or like I mean, maybe I give the people vi- are like talk to me. They
1: they need the Jesus. <laughs> I see. There's you a- just look like a heathen.
0: Yeah, exactly. Always have, my whole life. Um yeah. <laughs> so oh, it's always man. funny. But yeah, so you were talking about the Baptist church, which was a little less crazy.
1: Yeah, it was a lot less crazy, but um it was covert crazy. I guess is probably the best. Um, yeah, I went from overt crazy to covert crazy. Right. Um, I don't know which one's you know, better. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, I, actually, I'm curious um, about what other people think. You know, is it is it more is it worse to be sort of like in your face, sort of I'm obvious, um, but with Badges, that's how. I'm going to use this word very loosely. The brainwashing happens, yeah. you know. The um, you don't realize it until it's too late, uh, sort of sort of concept. And um, that one that one wasn't. It was a seamless transition from the Baptist church to the church that Lyndon and I went to, that you and I went to. So mm-hmm. it was it was a fairly seamless transition. So um, their their beliefs weren't. Um, the Baptist church wasn't any crazier than just standard Christianity. Right. I just kind of have a problem with some of their practice. So how how did how did you get out of it? Mm. What was your what was your journey out of how did you leave the promised yeah. land?
0: For me, uh leaving the promised land was really Uh, I don't make any hasty choices. I like to think about everything and I like to make a plan and I like to execute the plan. And for me, um, I started experiencing a lot of tension in not feeling like I could continue to be content uh, being in the closet as uh, a lesbian. And, you know, now as I've been on that journey as a transgender person. And so getting to a point where I realized that my faith was the one thing that was keeping me hating myself or the version of myself that I could no longer not live as. Um, And so I kind of, I mean, I kind of looked at it in my head about just literally putting the Bible on the bookshelf and being like, I can't right now, like everything that I know and believe for that tells me that who I am and how I feel safe and comfortable in the world is wrong and you know worthy of damnation to hell uh yeah. so if i'm gonna love and accept myself i need to let go of that and go on that journey and maybe eventually i'll come back around to bringing that piece back in but for me it was a preservation of self mostly um and and in coming out especially in in evangelical times um coming out as someone in the queer community is frowned upon you know I experienced a lot of people ceasing conversation and contact with me I experienced some overt hate and a terrible things said um it was a really hard time for me and I felt like I lost a lot of community and so it kind of added a little bit of you know pain to leaving it aside and so I think at some points I felt exiled from my community Um, and felt like I didn't leave on my own terms. And, you know, with a couple years down the road now, I'm starting to see that maybe my interpretations or the beliefs that I was told, the interpretations that I was told caused me to gatekeep myself from my own relationship with God or my spiritual self. Um, And so for me, leaving the promised land was very much self-preservation and self-love that's kind of where, how I left. Um, And it's, it's been a challenge, you know, like it was such a big part of my life. So, you know, it's like, it's like moving, you know, leaving, leaving the promised land. The idea is, you know, you're moving. And when I think of it, the imagery I sometimes get is I think about it with Moses and how he didn't get to go into the promised land. It's not that he left it. He just didn't get to go. And, you know, in my head, I don't know that, but you know he's up chilling looking into this place wishing that he could be there and not being able to and so sometimes it, that's how it feels in like leaving I've left I've gone somewhere else I'm where I'm supposed to be but I still miss that right and so that's yeah. kind of where I'm coming at that from
1: and I don't think that the the god that we were taught we were taught about or the jesus that we were taught about would want you to hate yourself and i feel like you know um we're taught that you know we were made in his image and that we were made perfectly in his image and you know if that's the case then why would you hate yourself you know so i think that you know and i mean like that's just going to be one of the things that we we do a deep dive into yeah you know and and, that's, well, and i
0: think that's some of the toxic patriarchy and the things that we are hoping patriarchy. yeah and i think yeah. i think that's part of that you know the reasons i hated myself the internalized homophobia internalized transphobia that's all related to the patriarchy and mm-hmm. this idea of male superiority
1: yeah yeah and I've like, I've I've actually on that, the patriarchy is probably one of the main, um, main things that kind of led me away from it. You know, I, I got married and I moved and I started sleeping in and working on Sundays. So I just kind of like, mine was more of a slow sort of natural progression away from it. Like, I don't think I woke up one day and was like, fuck this. I just kind of um, like stopped going to church and, you know, I had friends that were a little bit more liberal than me. And so, you know, I always balked the patriarchy. Um, like back when we were going to church together, I was always like, "Mm -mm, no, thank you. Um, and so I think my feminism has only gotten more, (laughs) more out there. Um, like I, I, was jokingly texting one of my friends, Kyle. And I'm like, I don't know which wave of feminist I am because <laughs> I just feel like I am way beyond what I hear everybody talk about, you know? Yeah. And so I think that was for me kind of why I left is because, you know, my feminism just kind of didn't line up with the concepts that were found in the Bible. And, you know, I guess I didn't really have any liberal Christian that I could kind of talk to and bounce ideas off of. I just had small town Baptists that, you know, reinforced the patriarchy. So I was like, well then bye, I don't want it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was in theater in high school. So I have always been around the, the, the queer group. And so, you know, I think that is another, another way that I just kind of was like, eh this isn't lining up, you know, I could not dare look at my friends in the face, and just, you're sinning, you're going to hell, like, it just didn't sit right with, with me, mm-hmm. um, so I, you know, it was just a natural kind of like, meh, um, and now I don't even know what I would consider myself, yeah. you know, I, I, agnostic is probably the best way because you know i don't i'm not necessarily atheist i'm not necessarily christian i'm not necessarily anything um i just know what i'm not right and i am not this you know i'm not this concept that i was taught my whole life
0: right i definitely am a an unapologetic feminist i wasn't always though i mean like i i used to kind of parrot the beliefs of like the man should be the head of the household like i read a lot of like i think there's this one book that i told you about but called the feminist mistake oh
1: yeah oh yeah we're gonna dive into that baby yeah
0: which is like um a response to the feminist mystique and basically tears down feminism and uh, you know I was super into it so like I I believed women shouldn't make their own decisions that they needed someone to protect them and and uh, you know over time as I first I guess became comfortable with myself and then started to realize these invisible systems that were at play all the long keeping me entangled and enmeshed into a a system that I didn't really didn't align with my values anymore um so yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to explore
1: yeah I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped about um about um comparing it with comparing feminism with all the verses that we read about women and seeing how how we can how or if you know yeah. we can reconcile these these feminist beliefs with it because I have always been I've, I've I was the liberal feminist when you know we were hanging out back in the day and so you know twelve years later it has not gotten any better <laughs> <laughs> um, you know and like I had a hard time back then. Yeah. You know, there were, there were things back in that I didn't, you know, like our premarital counseling was just hot garbage. Yeah. Um,
0: steaming piles of it.
1: <laughs> steaming piles of garbage because it just reinforced the patriarchy.
0: Every second. And
1: every, yeah, every bit of it. And because I remember, you know, the whole last name thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one thing that I was adamant. I was like, I am not taking his last name because that's not who I am. Right. You know why would I like this name has done me well. Twenty, I think I was twenty five when I got married. I've been this name for twenty five years, and you know I'm just supposed to flip a switch and be somebody else because I got married. Why doesn't his name change? Right. You know he got married too. <laughs> right. Um, it's fucking patriarchy.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: um, so yeah, I think mine started off as, you know, feminism and being friends with the LGBT community. And, you know, I have LGBT family members and I love them and support them. And I would never, ever want to do anything or adhere to anything that would harm them.
0: Yeah. And for me, you know, like I was, I think I was indoctrinated really early on and my dad actually came out as gay around 50 he was in his 50s and i was very very involved in uh toxic church and basically cut contact off with him for almost a year um saying that until he was willing to see and turn from from his his wicked wicked way
1: yes, uh,
0: yeah he would not i wouldn't be talking with him and you know and like wrestling with that as a queer person myself yeah um you know i would like to say that i wouldn't wouldn't do those things but like you know toxic christianity and toxic faith can be really dangerous in that it takes people who don't necessarily agree with something and moves them through a progression to where they're in that echo chamber and it's all they hear so I don't understand why everyone else can't be on the same page. This is wrong. Right. And it, it just validates this argument and this idea that there's only one way.
1: Yeah. I think, in, and I mean, I'm saying this as someone who, like I said, my Facebook has become an echo chamber. You know, I think that this is kind of a way of getting out of that echo chamber. Yeah. You know, um, hopefully this is us breaking out of our echo chambers in a safe way you know this is not going to be combative this is going to be you know
0: yeah my you know my desire is not combat like there will be probably discussions especially you know if and when we have guests that we may or may not agree with you know things um, yeah (laughs) if yeah things things may may get a little bit heated, but I think in the end, being able to listen and talk through those things is what creates that space, you know? So, so I have OCD and I, I talk about it sometimes, but in exposures and getting through some of the OCD, there's a window of tolerance and there's this space in which you can tolerate That push of your boundaries. But if you go too far, your body says, Nope, stop. I'm I'm shutting it down. Right, right. And I like my desire for this is to be in that window of tolerance where I'm being challenged and I'm having to look at some beliefs that I maybe hold about Christians and Christianity and actually unpack those in the same way that I would hope that people who are holding beliefs of Christianity could maybe look at the more liberal side and unpack their opinions and thoughts about it in a constructive way that allows both people to maybe stretch that window of tolerance of love and acceptance of one another.
1: That's actually a probably a really a really good way of looking at it. You know, like that window of tolerance. It's sort of like have you ever heard this is a really this is going to show my southern um boiling a frog? Yeah. If you turn the heat up a little bit at a time, that frog is not going to know. Right. You know, just like if you throw a, a frog in a boiling pot of water, they're going to jump out immediately. So, you know, our, our desire is to, you know, turn the heat up a little bit, not throw ourselves in a boiling pot of water. And that's for both sides. Right. You know, like, I don't, I don't want to make anyone, combative conversation is not going to do anyone any good on this podcast.
0: Correct. I'm going to hope that every time we come to this conversation, that you've taken care of your needs, and that I've taken care of my needs, and we're coming with, you know, knowing that there needs to be space for maybe some tension and disagreement, and, and, and obviously we'll ask that of the guests too, of like, this is not a place to argue and to and to fight or to it's it's a place to argue in constructive ways it's not a place to name call and fight and shame
1: right and you know always make sure and because since this is going to be such we're gonna have tough conversations like you said make sure that you're taking care of things beforehand that you're not coming to us mad um i heard an interesting um theory where you know the spoon theory Mm mm-hmm um, so it flips it on its head for people with anxiety and it's called the fork theory. Okay. And the concept is people with, so you have OCD. Yeah. Um, I have severe anxiety. Mm-hmm. So the concept is that throughout the day, people like us have different forks stuck in us and, you know, it's different worries and different things like that. So, you know, maybe I have this huge meat hook or, you know, meat fork in my shoulder and, you know, I need to deal with that, but then I have a little shrimp fork over here and that's needing to go to the bathroom, you know? So it's one of those where it's like, okay, I can take care of the small thing and then I can address this large thing. Right. So, you know, this idea of making sure that you handle the small things that you can, you know, so make sure you've, you've taken your forks out Yeah. before like this, this can probably turn into a meat fork at some point. Right. You know, because we are going to be challenging our beliefs. And I think that's a hard thing for humans to do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So, I mean, we're, we're going to be shoving forks in ourselves, you know, and pushing ourselves. So, you know, like you said, make sure if you're a guest and you're listening ahead of time, make sure, you know,
0: you're ready. And I mean, we'll try, we'll try, we'll try, we'll use like, you know, trigger warnings, you know, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there's, parts of life that need trigger warnings um and and yeah i like that that fork analogy like i think cuz you know anxiety is is viscerally painful and so i think that that i hadn't heard that one so i really appreciate that being my
1: husband gets frustrated yeah. with me because he'll like come to me with a problem that he won't solve and like he'll get like three words in i'll be like hold on let me go to the bathroom and he's like what what why and i'm like because you're about to lay something on me and i just want to make sure that um
0: I'm ready. ready
1: for it. I know it's probably stupid, but you know, just no, totally. You know, make sure you have the space is, yeah. is the pre- proper. Um, so I think we touched a little bit on it, but why do you want to see if you can reconcile? What What are your hopes, or what yeah. are your?
0: Yeah. So I think for me, the idea for me, the idea of reconciling, I think like I have been really sad and I wouldn't necessarily move to heartbroken, but I've been sad and have more recently felt really distant from this idea that I could engage in faith. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, for me, some of that is painful, traumatic things. And then for others it's um, anxiety. Uh, But For me, I'm excited to explore open, open heartedly, open, like with an open mind, this idea of Christianity outside of toxic Christianity. Can I reconcile with this idea of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Bible and what that stands for apart from what my old faith was? Like, so I'm kind of contrasting toxic Christianity next to what i would probably say a more healthy version of christianity and as opposed to what my beliefs are now which i also right i would say i'm a spiritualist like i kind of i do the whole cafeteria really line spiritual
1: <laughs> yeah just, i want a little bit of this
0: yeah, yeah. You know, we got some, um, some tarot over here, some, yeah. like, you know, all the, just kind of, you know, meditation with that determines, but like, there's a lot of little things that I do and I try that give me that spiritual connection.
1: Yeah. And I think, and we can, I'm going to write this down because we can talk about this, um, but this idea of connecting with something like you talking about tarot and meditation, you know, that's this concept of connecting with a higher, um, higher version of yourself, right. You know, and, and faith is connecting with a higher authority, you Mm -hmm. know? So, so the idea of spirituality and Christianity is connecting with a higher, a higher intellect or a higher consciousness. Um, I'm also curious if part of it is, um, we want what we can't have mm. so if you think you can't have it you know you think that or you know or this this curiosity of can I have it I, I can't have it I don't want to have it um you know we we said before we started this you know this isn't a guarantee that we are going to come back to the promised land right you know this is um this is just a saying if we can You know, so I do want to, we do want to put that disclaimer out there. Absolutely. You know, we may get to the end of this and we may be able to go, no, we can't reconcile these things. And that's that. And then we may get to the end of this and go, well, we can, but I don't know if we want to. Yep. And that's our right. (laughs)
0: Totally. I mean, and that, I, that truly is, I mean, we can get cheesy and whatever, but like it is every person's right to come upon their you know, spiritual belief, however it may be. And there isn't a, my belief is there isn't a right or wrong.
1: Right, right. And I, I would also like to, you know, compare Christianity to some other religions. Like we don't, I mean, we can do a deep dive in that, but, you know, and see how, how it holds up. And, you know, geographically speaking, the regions that are Christian versus other religions and just kind of look, because I know that that's, I know that that's an interesting thing to look at um I kind of miss the you know I was talking about we were there all Sunday but there was such like there was such fun in just kind of being there with friends and you know it was tiring and it was frustrating having to leave my house at six o'clock in the morning to be there you know at seven and um you know but there was just some some fun with you know um the friendship and going to eat afterwards or whatever. And like, I have too many of the, um, the preschool kid shirts because I got puked on, peed on, <laughs> peed on, uh-huh. you know, like I literally won an award for having been peed on or puked on and having too many of the church shirts, you know? And like, I just miss fun stuff like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I know that I can find that other ways if we can't reconcile this. You know, it's all about finding a like-minded community, and right. they're out there.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, it's, it's. you know, I'm probably, I'm not going to say lucky, but I'm, I'm probably exposed to more liberal-minded churches out here in the Pacific Northwest. Like, off the top yeah, of my head, Pacific, I can, yeah. yeah, I can think of, like, off the top of my head, three churches that would be open and affirming and completely... Like loving and accepting of anyone who walked through the door.
1: I would Um, have to drive 45 minutes for one.
0: mm, That is not the case for me. Well, that's it. That's the first episode of Leaving the Promised Land. We shared a bit about who we are and why we started this podcast. We hope you'll listen again next time. We'll be talking more about our current beliefs and values and begin to dig into the complex topic of racism and white supremacy within toxic Christianity. Thanks for listening.
1: And as always, fuck the patriarchy. patriarchy.